Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. In a lot of relationships and a lot of first marriages, it takes a while for things to turn south and it takes a while. In, In blended family relationship, it can exist the first day you meet. You've been hurt before and you don't want to get hurt again. You want to guard just that one little piece just in case this doesn't work out I'm not going to give you my whole heart. You have to rebuild. You have to relearn how to trust. That's what it is. A blended family, when, when you define blended families, it's a marriage where one or both spouses bring children with them from a previous marriage or relationship. Sometimes it wasn't a marriage. Sometimes it was, you know, an unwanted pregnancy that, you know, resulted in a, in a child or children or maybe multiple marriages or something like that. But there's a different dynamic to it. Fifty percent of all families are blended families. And, but there's also higher divorce in blended families, which isn't necessary. It's really necessary because there are dynamics present day one in blended families that are not present in other families. And you know, I mean, there's enough risk of divorce in a regular marriage, but when you have a blended family marriage, we need to understand the special issues related to that. I want to talk about lower trust and higher expectations. And this, this is a, this is a, a difficult combination here. Lower trust is I have less goodwill towards you and more suspicion of your motives and actions. I was innocent once. (laughs) I was innocent once until I got my heart broken. And I trusted until I got violated. And in my first marriage or first relationship, they were innocent till proven guilty. You're guilty till you're proven innocent. Because I'm not going to get my heart broke again. I expect more of you. Because of the failure of my past, because of what I've been through before, you're going to tote the note. I'm not putting up with as much. You walk in with your jaw set. You remember that movie, uh, Dances with Wolves? Remember the girl that was named Stands with a Fist? (laughs) A lot of blended families. You walk to the front door and say hi, and they go, hi. Hi. I was nice once, and I walked into a dark alley and got rolled, and I'm not so nice, so welcome. I expect more of you, and I have lower trust of you. You can't do that. You can't do that. And, and let, me, let me talk about how to deal with this. And again, I'm not trying to be trite with feelings that I know are very intense in your life, but I'm just saying it doesn't work. That's why divorce rates are higher in blended families, because these are day one dynamics. And, and, you know, in a lot of relationships and a lot of first marriages, it takes a while for things to turn south and th- it takes a while. In, in blended family relationship, it can exist the first day you meet, is these are day one dynamics. So 
You date to establish trust. You date to establish trust. You, you can't have this. I don't trust you. Marriage is trust. When I marry you, what I'm saying is I'm entrusting my life to you. I'm entrusting my future to you. I'm entrusting everything I have, including the most precious thing, my children to you. Marriage is trust. You cannot marry and mistrust. And the purpose of dating is to establish trust. If I have a question about your character, we're going to keep dating. If I have a question about your motives, we're going to keep dating. And we're going to keep dating until we have established trust and we've worked through issues within our lives. So A, you date to establish trust. B, you have to disassociate from the past. You forgive and you go on. And the next thing is you dream new dreams together. You need to have a vision retreat. You need to sit down and you need to talk about what your plans are for your future, what your desires are. And really, you can do this even before you get married, which is ideal. How many children are you going to have? Are you going to have any more children? What are your plans? What are your values? What are your family values? What, what is it that God has given you as a vision? Because I teach an entire session on how to have a vision for your marriage. What, what vision do you have for your relationship? Where there is no vision, you can't keep people together. In other words, let me say this another way. The vision for your marriage can't be not to re-experience the past. You can't live with a retro vision because all it does is just drag you behind the truck. You've got to have a forward vision. And when you've had your heart broken and when you've been disappointed in the past and you enter into a new relationship, many times it's like you're going to tote the note, you're guilty till you're proven innocent, and you, bet, you better do better than this last person in this last situation. And all the pressure then is on that spouse and the vision goes backwards. We have to say, we're going to date to establish trust. I've forgiven my past. I'm not going to put you under that. You're innocent till you're proven guilty. And you don't have to do anything beyond what a normal situation would require. And I'm not going to let the scars of my past become a harsh taskmaster for you in our marriage and put us in an undoable situation. And we're going to dream new dreams together. We're going to, we're going to consult God. We're going to submit to God. My scarred emotions are not going to be the Lord of our marriage. Jesus Christ is going to be the Lord of our marriage. And in making him the Lord of our marriage, he's going to heal our past. He's going to heal our hearts. Inner, an inner vow is a self-promise related to a difficult circumstance that we've been through. And all, every person makes inner vows. I've made many inner vows in my past that I had to break. An inner vow is when you're going through difficulty, we, we make ourselves promises to comfort ourselves. That's the purpose of an inner vow. Example, no one will ever hurt me like this again. That's probably the most common inner vow. When you're going through difficulty, you just say to yourself, I'm, I'm not coming back here. I'm not coming back here. I'll never do this again. And no woman will ever treat me like that again. No man will ever treat me like that again. I'm not going to open myself up to anyone else. They always end up hurting me. I'll never let my children be exposed to this type of situation again. The next time this happens, I'm walking away. These are, these are things you're, you're just going through. You're going through torment. You're going through difficulty. And things are going south. And so you're trying to comfort yourself. And the greatest comfort you can give yourself in that moment is, I'm not ever coming back here. I may be in this stinking place right now, but I'm not coming back to this stinking place. And the problem is, it's sin. It's clearly sin. And here's what Jesus said, Matthew 5. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. 
But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes, and your no, no, for whatever is more than this, these, is from the evil one. It's evil. You say, wait just a minute. Now, I'm hurting, you know. I'm a child. I'm in a bad marriage. I'm in a bad situation. And I sit here and I say, I'm never going to come back here again. Now, why is that evil? Because any area that you make an inner vow, Jesus cannot be Lord of that area. I'll never be poor again. Well, guess who's not the Lord of your finances? No one will ever hurt me again. Well, guess who's not the Lord of your relationships? It's evil. That's what he's saying. When we're in those difficult circumstances, we don't realize it, but the devil's sitting there feeding that because he wants us to make a million inner vows so that Jesus Christ is the least of our issues. We don't have any relationship. I mean, we may love Jesus. We may be saved on our way to heaven, but practically I've taken control of every area of my life because I have an inner vow everywhere I can look. I'm never going to be poor again. I'm never going to be hurt again. A woman's not going to treat me like that. A man's not going to treat me like that. I'm never going to be vulnerable again. And all of a sudden you wake up one day and you can't even breathe. You've got so many inner vows. It's sin. And I had these in my life is that I had from my past and when I was a child and I didn't know how to process pain, I made many inner vows in my life. But here's what inner vows do. First of all, Jesus can't be the Lord of that area. Now, I want you to listen. In any area that you have an inner vow, you're a little crazy and you're unteachable. You're a little crazy. A little crazy. My friend... Um, he grew up in a home, and this, this was horrible. Y'all just gasp when I say this. This is such abuse. But his mother, didn't, his mother wouldn't allow soft drinks in the home. Isn't that abuse? I mean, can you believe it? They should lock her up. And uh, so his friends would come over, and he had no soda pop in the house. Cokes, Dr. Pepper's, all kind of thing. And he told his mother one day, he got so frustrated because she wouldn't allow it in the house. And he said, when I grow up, I'm going to have a Coke machine in the middle of my living room for free. And anytime I want a Coke, I'm going to go to that Coke machine in the middle of my living room and get it for free. Well, when we came to church here, uh, we, they were one of the first couples that we met, and we went to their home, and I noticed that I'd never seen a person with more... Um, I had never seen that much carbonated beverage outside of a grocery store. And when you went to their home, he would just serve you soft drinks. I mean, it was, it was I'd never seen anyone more eager to serve soft drinks in my life. And uh, I didn't know the story about his inner vow. And he and his wife went to the grocery store one day, and he just starts loading the, the cart up with all this, these soft drinks, big, you know, big, huge liter bottles. And his wife said, honey, that's enough. He said, don't you tell me that's enough. Don't you tell me that's enough. I'll buy as much of this as I want. And she, he just, a little crazy. Really? You want to act like a child in the middle of the grocery store over soft drinks? Really? You're a little crazy and you're unteachable. And all of a sudden you smell that same smell that triggers. You see that same thing that triggers that memory from your past. And you go into full guard alert. Don't you talk to me like that. Don't you look at me like that. Don't you ever think about doing that to me. Because that reminds me of where I was in my past. And it reminds me of that promise I made myself. A little crazy. A little crazy. Nobody can talk to you. You have to go back into your past, and you have to realize every single time you made one of those, 
You look crazy. No one can talk to you. And you overreact. You'll always, anytime you're operating with an inner vow in your life, you'll always overreact. You're not healthy. You're not healthy. Okay. Why aren't you healthy? Because you in, you entombed that pain within a self-promise that God couldn't get to. And in that darkness, Satan fed that hurt. And you're full of deception and full of pain. And you have to pop that thing before God can heal it. And all of us have been there. Every single person I've ever talked to has made inner vows. And you have to go back and say, oh, I, remember, I remember when they hurt me. I remember when that happened. And I remember when I made that inner vow. And you just go back into your past and say, Lord, I repent. I shouldn't have said that. I should have turned to you. And I should have said, this is painful, Jesus. And help me to respond accordingly. And I forgive them and help me and protect my heart. I should have done that. But instead I was mad, I was afraid, and I was hurt, and I made an inner vow. And now I find myself, I can't even, a woman can't even look me in the eye. A man can't even look me in the eye. And I'm standing in the middle of my living room with a fist. And life isn't working, and family isn't working. It just doesn't work. You have to go back and locate that point in time when you made that vow, and you have to break it like this. Jesus, I repent because I didn't have the right to become God in my own life in that moment. I was hurting and I didn't know any better. I didn't do it because I knew, knew better. I didn't know any better. But I see what it's done in me. I see the pain that it's trapped into my life and the way that I respond to certain circumstances. I repent for taking control and not giving you control and I renounce that inner vow in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you'd heal my heart. Teach me how to respond to women. Teach me how to respond to men. Teach me how to respond to pain. Teach me how to respond to pressure. Teach me how to be righteous in the midst of a difficult circumstance. And he will. You become sane. You become teachable. You can, un you can understand, whereas before you couldn't. But many, many people, because of pain come into blended family situations with inner vows. One of the things we talked about in that teaching was, you know, when you're married the first time, typically, you know, a person is innocent until they're proven guilty. But in a remarriage, a lot of times, a person's guilty till they're proven innocent because we've been hurt. We may have made inner vows. It's very natural for us to make inner vows when we're hurt because we don't want to get hurt again. And so literally an inner vow is just a promise that I don't want to go back here and I'm not going to go back there. But what happens is it causes us to overreact. And now when we get remarried, we're living in the past and not in the future and not in the present. In other words, we can't go forward. We can't look toward a bright future because we're trapped back here. And we're living not to re-experience the past rather than living to experience God's plan for our marriage. So what we teach people to do is two things, very simply. First is forgive the past. If you have inner vows, break those inner vows because they're going to keep your marriage right now literally imprisoned within those inner vows. Your emotions are imprisoned within those inner vows. You can't go forward. You're trapped in the past and so is your spouse. So the second thing we teach people to do is to dream dreams together. In other words, have a vision retreat. What, why did God put you together? Let me tell you, God didn't put you together not to re-experience the past. That's not why God put you together. 
God put you together so you could accomplish something important for his kingdom and together to experience what God puts you together to experience. So we teach people how to have a vision retreat. And Karen and I have done this for over 25 years. And that is, if you have a, a remarriage situation, get away for three or four days without the kids. Get the kids taken care of. Get away without the kids and have a vision retreat. Wake up in the morning and pray and talk. This is what we do is every issue of your marriage, especially the issues of your blended family, is what do you want to accomplish? You know, what do you believe that God's called you to do in the areas of conflict? You know, how are you going to resolve that conflict and, and get over that and to plan a new uh, future together? You wake up in the morning, you pray and you talk. You write down what you believe God is saying to you. We have a resource here at Marriage Stake, which is a vision retreat resource. And you, it helps you to plan to go on a vision retreat. It talks you through the vision retreat. And then when you leave the vision retreat, you have everything written down. In other words, this is your future. You're not living in the past anymore. You have a future that you're looking at. You can see what you believe God wants you to do. And that then gives you a new lease on life. L literally, when Karen and I did this the first time, it transformed our relationship. So don't live in the past. If you have hurts, forgive the person who hurt you. Ask God to heal your heart. But dream new dreams together with your spouse. And you may want to say to your spouse, it'd be very helpful, in fact, to say to them, you know something, I got hurt in the past, I made some inner vows, I've really been taking it out on you, and I want you to forgive me. I haven't been treating you right, I haven't been talking to you right, I realize I made some inner vows and there's some unforgiveness there, I've dealt with that, and now I want us to go forward to have the marriage that God wants us to have. You can thrive in a blended family relationship. Your family is special. God wants to bless you, but you have to let the past go to be able to go into the future and have the marriage that God wants you to have. And I hope that's a blessing to you. And I hope this program is a blessing to you. Now listen, half of all families are blended families. That's a lot of them out there, millions of them out there, and they have special problems that other people don't have. And so we want this program and this series of programs we're doing right now to really be a blessing to blended families. But we are a mission we want to come back to you to help you, but we go all across America every day, multiple times during the day, and we reach millions of people in America plus over 200 countries worldwide. And to do that, it takes financial resources. And we're asking you, Karen and I are asking you, would you stand with us here at Marriage Today and help us to reach other couples like you, other blended families like you, to keep little children together with their families? to keep the devil from tearing up one more home. You know, our nation is literally, marriage in America is under assault. All over the world, marriage is under assault. And we are on the front lines helping people, delivering resources and hope and encouragement to people and keeping people together with their spouse and also with their children. Would you help us? The information is there on your screen of how you can call or you can go online or you can send your gift to the address that's there on the screen. Please give your most generous gift. We are so appreciative of all of you who have stood uh, stood with us for years. We're only with you right now because of people who are stood with us financially. Please, if this ministry has been a blessing, stand with us financially. We hope that this program today has been a blessing. We'll see you next time. God bless you.